Hey everybody, this is an introduction to ION 2020, the first couple episodes I'm going to tag this introduction to, just because when I first started podcasting, I was really new to it, and I didn't understand how sound worked, I didn't really understand the format of podcasting and so forth, so if you'll bear with me on the first 15 to 20 shows or so, I guarantee if you get through those ones, you'll uh, start enjoying a lot of the topics that we cover on this show. I do have a Monday through Friday show, so if you want to subscribe to the show, you can do that as well. You can listen to the newer episodes, but if you're one of those people that starts at episode one and then goes through, just keep that in mind that I was brand new to podcasting at the time, and I'd really appreciate you subscribing to the show, though. I welcome you to listen to another perspective on the 2020 election. I take a libertarian take on these things, and if you like to hear a different take on the 2020 election then definitely this is a place for you, okay? So thank you for joining me, and uh, go ahead and subscribe to the show so you can hear the show tomorrow, the brand new shows that we put out day in and day out, Monday through Friday, okay? Eye on 2020, episode 8. Thank you for joining me on the Eye on 2020 podcast. My name is Ray Eaton, and I will be your host as we move towards November of 2020. I plan to do all the research on these presidential candidates so you don't have to. So if you like politics, enjoy, because if 2020 is anything like 2016, we are in for a treat. Oh, and did I mention I'm a libertarian through and through? Good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining me on the Eye on 2020 podcast. This is a special edition on a Saturday. And the reason why I'm posting this is because I found some a really good news article that I think you'll like. And I figured I'd bring that to you because it's very important that we you know when news hits, it comes out to you. And this is the Eye on 2020 podcast. And we have our Eye on the 2020 at all times, even on Saturdays. So let's go ahead and uh, go over this article real fast. Okay, so I was reading a Reason magazine article, that's Reason.com, and they were talking about from, this is Eric Boehm on January 11th, and they are, he was writing an article that says, Tulsi Gabbard, Iraq War veteran and skeptic of America's wars, will run for president in 2020. It's actually a pretty good article, and it talks about how she is completely anti-war, and let me get into it, because uh, that, to me, that even though she's running as a Democrat, that she does seem like she has the one main issue, which is a peace, like being a peaceful country and getting out of the wars. That's her main issue. So let's get into it. Representative Tulsi Gabbard, Hawaii. She's a Democrat, a veteran of the Iraq war and critic of America's interventionist policy, says she will run for president in 2020 with a message of peace. CNN reports that Gabbard will announce her plans to seek the White House on Saturday edition of Van Jones Show, which is slated to air at 7 p.m., a formal announcement of her candidacy will follow in the coming weeks, Gabbard said in comments released by CNN on Friday evening. Gabbard says she will run on a platform that includes criminal justice issues and climate change, but she tells CNN that America's ongoing wars will be her central focus 
to me that is huge when you say that's going to be your central focus because in my mind I've always thought that the wars the foreign intervention that America has is a central issue that's going to bankrupt this country and it's also going to I mean it just causes a, a terrible culture within our country when you have such a focus on war and kids nowadays they're growing up um, we've been at war since 2001 and you know kids that are were born around that time that's all they've ever known is war so they've just become numb to the idea and you don't it, to me it just seems like we should have that focus so to me what she's talking about is really good she says there's one main issue that is central to the rest and that is the issue of war and peace Gabbard said I look forward to being able to get into this and talk about it in depth when we make our announcement. So she's on that debate stage at some point, and that's going to be her major focus. That's going to be a central issue for her. I think that'll be strong. It just depends upon how well she can um, bring out those issues and how honest she's going to be when she does talk about those issues as well. Gabbard has earned her right to be critical on those conflicts. In 2004, she volunteered for a 12-month tour of duty in Iraq while serving in the Hawaii National Guard, leaving her seat as a state legislator to do so. She was deployed a second time to Kuwait in 2008. Since entering national politics in 2012, when she became the first Hindu elected to Congress, she has been an outspoken critic of the bipartisan consensus on foreign policy. She opposed the Obama administration's interventions in Syria as being against America's national security, international credibility, economic interest, and moral center, and has called for putting an end to the Afghan, Afghan war as soon as possible. That's powerful. So she, she actually opposed the Obama, Obama administration's interventions in Syria, and uh, she used it by saying that it's against America's national security, international credibility, economic interest, and moral center. That's To me, that's a powerful statement, and it's totally true. She also reached across the aisle to work with libertarian-minded Republicans like Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky and Justin Amash, uh, Representative Justin Amash of Michigan, to nudge America's foreign policy in a less warmongering direction. Gabbard co-sponsored the House version of Paul's bill to cut off arms sales to Saudi Arabia and backed Amash's amendment to defund the National Security Agency over its warrantless surveillance program. So she is on the right side of those issues as well. She's also been critical of her own party, calling out Hillary Clinton's track record for, of supporting foreign wars during the 2016 presidency. Are you kidding me? So she was willing to call out Hillary Clinton, who is untouchable in politics. That says something in my mind as well. Secretary Clinton has a record of positions that will take us into the a future that will include more interventionist wars of regime change, Gabbards told MSNBC's Rachel Maddow in March of 2016. So she, a Democrat, is willing to speak out against her own party's candidate. That's powerful. Gabbard has already secured a veteran, or is, excuse me, Gabbard has already secured a veteran of Senator Bernie Sanders' 2016 campaign as her campaign manager, CNN reports. Gabbard had endorsed Sanders in 2016 after falling out with the Democratic National Committee over its handling of the primary and her opposition to Clinton's former 
her foreign policy views. So she even had some uh, repercussions that came from going against Hillary Clinton. And, you know, she's still standing, though, right? So you go against the Democrats and something bad's going to happen to you, of course. Now, being in line with Bernie Sanders, you know, Bernie Sanders is generally good on the wars. He has been. I think that, you know, if he became president, you would have a less um, warlike or less of a uh, interventionist policy than you would under a Hillary Clinton, of course, um, and maybe even more of an or less of an interventionist policy than you would if you had a, a Donald Trump in, in power. Who knows? But you still do have the deep state there that's going to, you know, really force your hand on force your hand on not allowing you to um, just pull out immediately because you know all of all of the deep state will align against you at that point, right? But that is a powerful statement. I'm glad to hear that she is willing to stand up against her party. That's that's strong. So, moving on. It's difficult to imagine there being anyone in either major party primary who will be more critical of America's, America's wasteful and seemingly endless post-9-11 wars. Her participation in the race will raise the profile of some important issues for which libertarians should be glad. Of course that is true. She's also got a chance to be a strong candidate. She's young and cool. She surfs. She wants to end marijuana prohibition and isn't afraid to be an unorthodox, nonpartisan voice. She will certainly stand out in a democratic field that figures to be crowded. Being a fourth-term congresswoman from a small state and a religious minority to boot, may prove limiting to Gabbard's presidential ambitions, but the last three general elections have been won by the major party candidates who staked out the more dovish position, dovish position on America's foreign wars, so don't count her out right away. I agree with that statement there. Um, and I really like, though, I really like what I hear about her. She has a good foreign policy, I mean, her main, her her central issue is going to be foreign policy. So, in that sense, I think that you know that's something that I could that I could support in general going into 2020 from that stand. Now, obviously, she's going to have status 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 positions that do not align with my my beliefs and my ideology, but. She definitely does have the right point on the foreign policy. And if she's going to make that her central theme, I think that's a good thing. And the reason why I say that is because when she's on that debate stage and her central theme is going to be getting or ending the foreign intervention that America has, getting rid of America's foreign or er, interventionist foreign policy. And when she's out there doing interviews, and that's the main point that she's bringing up, when she's out on that campaign trail and shining the light on these issues that can only be good and it might give some of the other candidates out there like a Donald Trump like other democratic candidates and like you know some of the third party candidates it'll give them maybe give them more of the confidence to go after go after this issue as well and i think that that is only a good thing when you had Ron Paul out there you know 2008 2012 
he did the he was very outspoken about a lot of these issues as well and at least it shines the light on these issues and when you do shine that light on the issues you'd bring younger people into the fold who are going to challenge our government on those things and you're going to create a culture that is questioning why we're still in these wars you know 17 18 years after they got started why are we sitting in afghanistan right now you know 18 years almost 18 years after 9-11 what was the purpose of going in there in the first place if you ever want a really good book on that you could read scott horton's book it's called um it's called fool's errand time to war end the war in afghanistan you can find that on amazon.com scott horton's fool's errand time to end the war in afghanistan i read that book last year when it came out and it was absolutely phenomenal it gets it gets deep into a lot of the issues that happened after 1979 with iran it gets deep into a lot of the issues that happened oh i think i think it was actually more um those issues that happened with the soviet union in in afghanistan and it just kind of goes to the history of why we're there how we got there why osama bin laden was there you know america's backing of osama bin laden against the russians and then you know where some mistakes were made but then it also gets into the day-to-day operations in that war and why it's something that's completely unwinnable for the military and why we should get out it makes a absolutely amazing case for that and if you ever wanted to listen to his uh his podcast as well he has a phenomenal podcast where he interviews people who are he interviews people who are you know on the front lines of you know reporting on these issues as well in afghanistan and iraq and um and syria and yemen all over the world he gets into you know his he has anti-war radio in california and he does a, he does a weekly show in california but he also does he does i don't know i think he does like you know seven eight nine inter- interviews a week and this guy is focused in on foreign policy and you know the thing about so it's very good to um bring those things up and when you have a candidate who is bringing these things up as well it puts it on the national stage so that's definitely a positive it's a net positive for the for the movement um she's not a libertarian i agree so she's gonna you know take a status position on a lot of things like if you probably get into her climate change issues that you know what she believes about climate change and how it should be fixed you might have some challenges there because she might take a status position on that on bringing you know allowing the state to set rules and set taxes and everything to to end climate change when in reality whatever america does it doesn't doesn't count even a tiny bit compared to you know india and china where there's i think there's like three billion people combined in those countries that are becoming coming into a industrial age right so when they're building coal power plants you know daily i think over there you're going to have no chance to change anything unless you could unless those countries change their culture and the way that they 
the way that they do business as well. So all it does is bring down America in that sense. But I guess, you know, if you, I guess if you made these laws and so forth, you know, the, the statist or the person that just, you know, doesn't think like a libertarian would just think to themselves, well, as long as you, you know, make solar power mandatory and so forth, then you're going to have the economies of scale that go with it. And, uh, I just don't think that that, I know that that's not the right path to go down though, because if you make solar powers the mandatory thing, then you're going to lose a lot of the innovation that would come because, you know, when you subsidize something, then, then you're subsidizing a less or an, an inferior product. And if you're subsidizing that inferior product, you're going to have less, less innovation because it's already being bought. But if you do not subsidize that, then in order for it to compete, the producers of it are going to have to innovate. And that's why, you know, we sh- that's why from a ideological standpoint, that's why the government should not subsidize things and make, you know, um, make things like solar power mandatory right now. So when you have the state, interve- state intervene in these things, in these parts of the economy, it's not good for the overall uh, future of that product. So moving on, so she, so this lady, she definitely is a good candidate. Um, Her name is Tulsi Gabbard, and she's a, she's a representative from, from Hawaii, and she's a Iraq war veteran, and she is going to make the wars in the foreign policy of America, her number one campaign issue. And I think that that is a bright spot on the Democratic ticket right now. So our current scenario, we have uh, Elizabeth Warren, who is almost guaranteed, or she's already formed her exploratory community. You have this Gabbard lady. She is going to be running as well. I think you have Joe Biden, who's probably going to be announcing pretty soon also. And you have a few candidates that I've never heard of before that I've that I've seen them, uh, they've announced that they're looking into running as well, and that's all on, on the Democratic ticket. And you have Donald Trump, who's guaranteed to run right now. He hasn't specifically announced it, but he has pretty much been campaigning since he got elected. And you could tell when he, he goes to do these huge uh, rallies and so forth, they're just campaign rallies, and he's been doing them for the last couple of years, making his base happy. And then you do not have any libertarians or any third parties that I've really heard about yet that are going to be running, but um, soon you'll start seeing those people talking about it as well. But I think it's more towards uh, 2020 when you're going to start seeing the libertarians come out to start running as well, because libertarian libertarians will have their conventions sometime in the summer of 2020. You'll start seeing the primaries for the elections for the Democrats and the Republicans, you'll start seeing them starting next January. That'll be January 2020. The Iowa straw poll is the first one, I think, and then it's New Hampshire. And then you have um, South Carolina. And then I, I can't remember the exact the exact way it goes from there. But, you know, I think you have like Super Tuesday, which will have, you know, 50, you know 15 or so uh, states that will be holding their primaries as well. So that'll all start happening next January. For the time being, we're just taking a look at these candidates that start announcing their candidacy for president. Uh, On all tickets, I I mean, I'll take the Green Party, we'll take the Constitution Party and so forth and break those people down as well. Just because I think third parties are important to 
the election process. They're going to start getting more and more of the vote going forward. And the reason why is because there is such division within the Republican and Democratic tickets. Um, you know, they, they just can't get along, so it makes people look for a third party. There is still the view, though, that a third party is not a good thing because all it does is takes away from the, the lesser of two evils. Some people, some people believe that. Most people believe that. Some people don't. Some people are willing to vote. Like you had Gary Johnson that was able to get, I think, like 2% of the vote last, last, last term around, and that was a strong showing. That was the best showing for a third party ever, except for the, when I think Ross Pro ran as an independent. Uh, that was the, that was the best that the libertarians ever did. So, so I appreciate you listening to this podcast. This was just a short podcast today because it's Saturday. I just wanted to throw out a bonus out there. I'm going to try to start doing just Monday through Friday. But you know, I woke up this morning and I saw that this lady Gabbard was running, and I thought that that was a great article. I thought that was something that's important to talk about. And I'm excited to see that somebody that has such a stance against the war is going to make that the central issue. I think that's such a good thing. I just wanted to bring that to you guys out there today. So I appreciate you listening to the Ion 2020 podcast. My name is Ray. Please share this with your friends. Um, you know, make put some comments down. And uh, soon, I think that we're going to be on the iTunes platform as well. Not the iTunes platform, the Apple Podcasts platform as well. I think that they will not take a podcast until we're at 10 or until I get up to 10 episodes and then Apple will pick us up. So I'm really looking forward to that. That'll definitely help the listenership as well. But if you could share this with your friends, that would be great. And uh, I'm, I'm thinking about getting a web page. I'm thinking about getting a Facebook page going as well so that you guys can join that and look over, you know, Look over some of the news events that come up whenever uh, whenever they come up. I'll post those on the website as well. Maybe throw together a little blog or something. And uh, I think that'll be, that'll be fun. But going forward, I'm just doing this podcast right now. The Ion 2020 podcast is your place to hear about all things with, re- with regards to the 2020 election and all of the news and events that happen there. So keep your eye on 2020 with me. My name is Ray Eaton, and I appreciate your time today.